This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 183. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? Tell the truth. I have a cold I'm getting over, <laughs> so I sound like a frog that smokes a lot. No, I was just saying how, how normal she sounds and doesn't sound like she's sick at all, but I know she feels sick. Well, what's so, funny anyway. is you say I don't sound like I'm sick. I sound probably like what a normal person sounds like, not my usual chipmunk voice. So t- we're, we can pretend I'm a normal person today, I guess. Well, here's a shocker. I am never better. <laughs> this is the show about colored pencil where we discuss anything and everything surrounding this medium that we love so much and the colored pencil artist. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today? We're talking about some of the worst art advice that we've ever heard. We're kind of on a roll with it. I think it was about like a month ago, maybe two months yeah. ago, we talked about some other bad advice, but there's a lot of bad advice that gets thrown around from time to time. And if someone says it with enough authority behind their voice, people actually take it to heart and it can kind of lead you down a bad path. Number one here, smudging with paper stumps and tortillions. If you're using graphite or charcoal, it's fine to do that. I don't prefer doing that personally, with especially with graphite. I don't like that. But I've heard people talk about doing that with colored pencil. And by and large, it just does not work. And in fact, what it can do is sort of damage the paper, especially if you use solvent. Some people will even recommend doing that. I have seen it done margin with some marginal success on like some kind of sanded surface or non-absorbent surface. Still, I think it kind of messes up the finish or the texture yeah. of the, the work, the, cotton type the way paper. it looks. I mean, you're rubbing paper against paper. Now, with graphite, I do like these tools for graphite, but I'm not having to add much pressure. The only way that you're going to get this to work with colored pencil, you have to push really, really hard. And it doesn't really work, but that's the only way you Mm -hmm. get any kind of effect, I guess. But you're rubbing paper too hard against other paper, and you're just, you're you're really damaging the tooth there. And dipping it in, I've seen where people, like you said, they dip it in mineral spirits or odorless mineral spirits. And that, that paper stump is going to just absorb so much of the OMS and it's still too hard. It's not going to give you the effects that you really want when blending with OMS. So yeah, all around, not a tool that I ever, ever use with colored pencil. And it's not one that I would recommend either. Next on our list. Quit your job. If you want to be a professional artist, the only way to do it, quit your job. You need to go all in 100%. This advice drives me crazy because it's such bad. I mean, it can actually be harmful for the person financially to do this. Yeah. If you yeah, exactly. do that sort of thing, I mean, building your your clientele, building yourself up as an artist takes years and years that usually very few people are going to be able to do it overnight. And yeah, we can all list those success stories where it seems like overnight the person was just like, okay, I'm going all in with the art. 
they either had to be financially secure in the first place and have enough of a savings to do that, or, you know, you have those rare cases where somebody pulls through and, and makes it work. That's not going to happen for most of us. It sure didn't happen for me. I worked many years at an animal hospital um, full time while working and building up a student list when I was was teaching. Um you you don't you, plus gosh if you don't have a job how are you going to buy the art supplies you need and especially professional art supplies given you want to be a professional or pay for your website or pay for your email list there are things that we need to pay for as artists and if we don't have that income to start with that's going to be a huge problem so that and this is one of those bits of advice you get from a lot of the entrepreneur type things if you read blogs or go um, I know people will go to those events where you've got an entrepreneur speaking and so many will tell you just quit your job you need to go 100% this is how you're going to do it. And they sound confident. It kind of goes back to what John was saying. If somebody says something with enough confidence, they're going to, you're going to believe them. And uh, unfortunately, that can be some of the worst advice I've ever heard given to an artist is just jump in. You've got to go 100%. Not to mention most artists don't have the self-discipline, especially in the beginning, to put the amount of work in necessary to make do art as a full-time job. A lot of people are like, I'm just going to paint or draw when I'm in the mood and I'm going to sit around and watch TV during the rest of the day till that mood strikes. And it's like, you know, that's where you could have been working your day job while you were waiting for the mood to strike and actually yeah. be making an income at that point. Yeah, you know, another thing about that with with regard to um, just go ahead and quit and go all in, and the motivational speakers, sometimes you'll hear them say, and I think a lot of them are getting away from saying this kind of stuff because it's just so foolish and people are starting to see through it. Jump off the cliff and make your parachute on the way down yeah. kind of thing. It's just so dumb. It, it We use logic in every other aspect of life. Why don't we do it when we're talking about finances or we're talking about making a business out of something? You know, you you cannot do that successfully. Yeah. Um, the other thing about that is, you know, you're talking about those success stories, Lisa, and I think that's worth highlighting that when you hear those success stories and it seemingly happened overnight, sometimes it's like a decade for someone to be an overnight success or 20 years, you know, for them to be an overnight success. You hear about them after they've been droning on and doing the same thing over and over with consistent repetition that they finally did something that over and over long enough that it started to get some traction, you know, and then they didn't quit. They just kept going. So our next one kind of leads into what we were sort of just talking about. Don't work on your art when you're not in the mood. It will come out badly. This one always kind of cracks me up because you'll hear people say, you know, I, I just haven't been in the mood lately. Or And for some people, that might be one day or one afternoon or one hour or a few minutes or something. And then they can get themselves in the mood. There are certain triggers that you can put in place to get yourself in the mood if that's something that you just absolutely have to have. Or... I've seen people, though, that have been plagued with this for months and months, maybe six months to a year. You have to then reevaluate that and say, okay, is this really a way to conduct your art business? And if you're not a pro, if this is if it's just a hobby for you, then that's fine. And if that's the way you want to do it is whenever you're um, quote unquote inspired, then that, you know, that's, I suppose, okay. But for the rest of us who want to actually get some work done and actually, you know, get some traction on our work and put out some work, then this is not even an option. Can we imagine, have to go to work and just do yeah, the work. Imagine that same attitude in any 
other field. Any other job. Yeah. I mean, a doctor, I'm not in the mood. I'm not going to go treat patients today. I just, I'm not feeling like what? That, that's yeah. not how that works. And even if you no. have the only time that I, I would say really, okay, there are a few exceptions. One right now, I am not painting because I'm pretty sure I'll sneeze all over my canvas and that would just be a hot mess. So, okay. I'm going to, I'll do other things in the meantime. I can design new, you know, work in a sketchbook, just design other ideas, but I'm not going to work on the actual something that I'm going to sell right now. So you, you've got to have other things that you can do. There's always something you can be working on. So let's say I can't come up with a good idea. I want, I'm working on a series. We'll use myself as an example right now. I'm working on a series where I'm combining different subjects. Like right now I'm painting a lion and he's got coral and fish embedded into his mane. I, let's say I can't come up with the next subject. I, I know I, I know I want to combine two things, but I can't come up with a good idea. Go paint some fruit, go paint a still life, go paint a rose, paint something. There can always be something for you to work on until you're in that super creative mood for the really big project. Like there should never be a time where you're just sitting around watching TV. I shouldn't say never. Maybe you can do it for a day here and there, but rarely. You've got to, if you want to be a professional artist, if you're trying to make a living with this, you've got to treat it like any other job. And what other job in the world do you get to say, eh, I'm not in the mood today? I'm not. Yeah, well, I'm it won't last very long because you'll get fired uh-huh. if you do that. You won't make money. You won't make any revenue. Yeah. And and again, you know, there may be a day or two that you just really don't feel like painting. Another thing I've seen people say in in the argument of, of this is you'll get burnt out. If you do too much with painting and drawing, you're painting and drawing on a regular basis. Even when you're not in the mood, you'll get burnt out. It's a job and you have to look at it as a job. It's a job I love. But yeah, there's going to be times I don't want to paint. I would way rather play World of Warcraft. But I've got to get up and work. Yeah, and you find the joy in something that you're doing in whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, you, it's, you've got to do that. It's your you outlook. I mean, it's so often yeah. we really just need to change our outlook and making that shift can make all the difference in the world and how mm-hmm. successful we end up being. The next piece of worst advice that I have heard, and this one really drives me crazy. This one is okay. If you're a crafter, you're baking cards, that sort of thing, totally fine. When you are moving into being a professional, you're going to sell your work using household items in your artwork like baby oil or hairspray on the graphite portion of your drawing. Using these things, you don't know how these are going to turn out and how much damage can be done to your artwork in the end. We just actually, I saw a post recently on Facebook where somebody had used a Sharpie marker and then when she sealed it it completely ruined yeah, her piece that. and i'm so glad she shared that because it's such yeah. a good lesson i'm really glad that she was brave enough to put that out there yeah but yeah, really. it, i mean using these household items you don't know what the end result is going to be and even if it looks good now what about in 10 years these aren't tested to be used with art Hairspray was something that was recommended for years and years and years. High school teachers used to always tell their students this. Mm-hmm. Oh, just spray it with, with seal it with, with hairspray. It's cheaper. First off, my hairspray is not cheaper than a good fixative, which is funny, but, uh, it, it's not, you know, that can yellow over time. It can cause a lot of problems to the end work and it's not even worth it. Let's say you are saving a few dollars. Is it worth ruining your work over? You know, these household items, plus going back to baby oil, never really dries right. So if you do blend something with baby oil, you can't really go right back on top of it with your pencils without damaging the paper now because that's just going to stay wet. So you want to be careful and use materials that are intended for art that have been tested that we know are going to last long term, especially if you're selling. And again, going back, if you're making cards, things that are gifts for people like that, that that's okay. You use what you want. But when you're making something that you're going to sell that needs to last, really avoid those household items. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of them, too. I mean, jet fuel, I've heard all kinds of things that people will say, oh, give that a try, try that out. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, just don't do that. Don't yeah. don't try don't try using non-artist materials on artwork. Um, it's just not worth it. So next, color is the most important thing. Oh, you don't understand color yet. Learn color. Color is so, so important. You've got to learn color. I'm not putting down color theory or learning color. You should do that. It's not the most important thing, though. Not by a long shot. Value is so much more important. I love that old saying, and I know I've said it before, but value does all the work. Color gets all the credit. It's so true. It doesn't matter what the colors are. Now, you can you can obviously use some bad color combinations and just make things look horrible. But more often than not, you're going to make things look worse if you use inconsistent values if you're not sure if you're not really directing the eye by clearly identifying what is in highlight and what is in the shadow where the where the light portions are where the shadows are and if you confuse the values on either side if you refer back to a value scale from one to ten and you start putting everything from a five to a ten Those are the shadows. If you start putting those over there on the highlight area and you start putting the one through the four over there in the shadowed area, you're going to get very, you're going to have a very confusing piece of artwork and it'll never compensate itself with the use of color. And this is something that I see so many artists get hung up on. If I only knew what color, and I was one of them, so I understand where they're coming from. If I knew what color, my work would look more realistic. If I, if I just knew the exact right color, that's the thing. Yeah. That, that's why my work doesn't, that's why my work looks like a cartoon. I'm not choosing the right colors. No, that has nothing to do with it. I can draw a tiger only with purple, black, and white and make it look super realistic. He'll just look like he has purple light cast on him. Much more so than someone who found the perfect orange and made everything with orange but had poor values. Mine's going to look yeah, realistic, yeah. whereas the right. right color, I'm making air quotations that you can't see, but the right color one isn't them. necessarily going to be right if their values are wrong. Don't put, don't give color so much importance. Don't, don't get hung up on that. And I see, I've seen that where people give people advice of learn color theory. That's the first thing you should learn is color theory. I think color theory is important, but I do, I would never recommend that be the first thing someone learns because it's going to confuse them. First of all, when that's the first thing you're jumping into, I think that it confuses a lot of, of beginner artists, especially focus on your values. All right. Next. If you have natural talent, you're probably going to make it. If not, you know, well, you you know, good luck. Um, that's kind of the thing that that you hear a lot of times is that oh, I've got this just natural inborn talent, and uh, you know, I don't I don't know how I got it. I don't know where it came from, but it's just natural inborn talent. I do believe that there are some proclivities that one may have uh, towards being able to identify shape and value easier than some other people. The thing I dismiss, the thing I don't believe, though, is that you cannot learn how to draw or how to create art because art or being able to render something, it's a skill. Drawing is a skill. Painting is a skill. You can learn a skill. Skills are you know, its something that is it's teachable, and so therefore you can learn it. If you're someone who is teachable, if you're able to follow directions, if you're able to Think about uh, the process and and when you're giving something that's methodical that you're told how to go from not knowing how to draw all the way, shown all the steps, all the techniques, and you're able to incorporate those things. You can learn and you can improve. 
So that whole idea of natural talent, I totally dismiss that. I think it's a myth. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we have a tendency to look at our favorite artists. We look at them after they've been doing something for years and years and years, and we think that they started that way. No, they probably just aren't showing you the bad stuff that they started with. And you see people get discouraged and think that they're not going to go on. I'm just not any good. There was a student that I had years ago. She was actually really good. I could tell she had a lot of potential. The problem was she had a teacher who gave her that bad advice of, oh, you're just not good at drawing. You're not good at art. And she gave up. And this girl, I guarantee you, she would have been amazing, but she got that bad advice from somebody that made it sound like, well, you don't have the gift. You don't have the skill that you need. You know, you're not going to do any good. And the funny thing is, she's a high school student. She can do at that age. You can go anywhere. You've got she's had plenty of time, but she completely gave up on art after. um, And I wish that she was one of my students back in California. And when I left, obviously, she she didn't have a team or me there to, to encourage her through the bad bad advice she was getting but it drives me crazy because this kid i'm telling you she would have done because she noticed she followed like you're saying she followed directions she paid attention to what i was talking about and she was improving so much and to have somebody give that kind of advice that mm-hmm. you know this idea of you got it or you don't absolutely not true Right. And, you know, that reminds me of when you're seeing someone post things on social media or somewhere else or on their website. Certainly, I hope we're all doing that is posting our best stuff there. But what you're looking at is a heavily curated uh, face of their work, a representation of their work. That's the best that they have. They're not showing you all the hundreds of hours of doing other things, maybe their sketchbooks or whatever. Um, the other thing about it is you cannot, like you were talking about, Lisa, there's some growth with time. You cannot compare your beginning to someone else's middle or end. And that's essentially what we do when we look at where we are if we're just starting out. And then we compare ourselves to someone who maybe has been drawing for 30 years, 40 years. It's not a fair comparison. So don't put yourself down about that and, and think that you know, oh, I just wasn't born with this natural talent. And don't let anyone tell you that either. Yeah. And, you know, that brings me into like one of my like biggest pet peeves. One of the worst pieces of an art advice that I think goes around is don't compare yourself to other artists. That I think that swings too far to the other direction. I yeah. think comparing yourself and figuring out, I mean, let's, this is what I used to do. I'll just use myself as an example again. Uh, apparently, I think it's my day. But when when I was doing a lot of pet portraits, I was doing these drawings, and I knew I could draw. I draw well. I draw accurately. Doing these drawings, but they look – I mean, it was real clear. It was a pencil sketch. Why then, when I was looking at these other artists, and I'm like, it looks like a black and white photograph. It's amazing. What are they doing that I'm not doing? I know I'm missing something. My work isn't what I want it to be. I know I can do it. But I've got to figure out what it is. And I wouldn't have moved forward if I wasn't comparing myself to artists who were, were creating the work that I wanted to create. And so I sat there and picked apart what is different about theirs from mine. And it's you don't want to sit there and go, oh, I'm no good. There's just so much better. And, you know, have the whole emo moment. You want to sit there and go, what's the difference? Is it my foundation drawing? If it is, that's something I know I need to improve on. Is it the values? Is it the detail? Figure out what the, and maybe it's all those things, but you need to figure out what that difference is. And the best way is to compare yourself to an artist who is creating work the way you want to. If you sit there in your own little, own little bubble of, okay, I know I'm painting dolphins, so I'm going to make my own dolphin paintings. Uh, I'm not getting the depth in the water that I want. I'm not getting this. The best thing you can do is go find an artist who is getting that depth and figure out what they're doing different from you. 
Yeah, now that is the proper way to compare. Yeah, I was talking about the compare and despair. Yeah, oh no, yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that is that <laughs> yeah, is the right exactly. way to compare. There, there's a different that like I was saying, you don't want to have that emo moment of yeah, oh, yeah. it's just bad. I, I'm never going to be as good as that person. No, be realistic right, right. about it. But but the idea this concept that a lot of people put out there never compare. I see this on lists all yeah. the time. Oh yeah. Never compare yourself to another artist. That is one of right. the worst pieces of advice I think that you can give somebody. We've been talking about in defense of paper, in defense of paper.com, the journal and notebooks that this company produces. They have a responsibly resourced uh, mill that they work with to produce these notebooks. I love these things. And I just want to put a quick word in here that if you've not picked up this journal yet, then you might want to hurry up and do that because I'm not sure how much longer uh, this particular offer will be available. So just to light a little fire here. <laughs> but on the last page of these journals, I love it that it says in defense of paper. And then it has down at the bottom, thoughtfully crafted in the United States. Lisa, you've been using your journal lately. I am. And I love it, especially because I'm looking for these ideas constantly for I'm combining different animals and different subjects together that yeah. don't normally go together. And I love because one side of the paper is dotted and the other side is blank. So on the left hand side, I can do out my real loose sketch. I'm not going to put a lot of time into this. This isn't your typical sketch like art book, but it's so good. I'm using it as an idea journal. And then the other side that's dotted or lined, I can go through and actually write down, okay, these are the colors I'm considering. These are the subjects. Mm -hmm. Will this work? Will that work? And I can just kind of write down my thoughts for these ideas. And it has been such a useful thing for me right now. All right. So if you want to pick up yours, go ahead and go to the link in the show notes, or you can head on over to indefensivepaper.com slash CP podcast. This show is starting to get a little bit long. So we're going to do a two-parter here and we'll come back next week. And we've got uh, we, we actually have one. I think our last one we're ending on, I think is kind of comical. So we'll save that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is a weekly show, and if you've not done this in a while, you can leave us a rating and or a review. We would appreciate that. If you want to reach out to the show, you can email podcast at sharpenedartist.com. It's a weekly show, and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. 